But right now I'm joined by Professor Phil Bishop. <laughs> Good morning, Philip. <laughs> morning, Jamie. <laughs> Mondays. Yeah, of yeah. course, Mondays. Uh, you're in because you're giving a talk tomorrow at the university. It's called The Survival of the Earth Depends on Frogs. That's right, yeah. Yes, uh, and in many aspects it, pr- it probably does. Um, frogs really, you know, they're the canary of the climate change debate, really, aren't they? That's right, yeah. Mm. They, they, they're, they're really good indicators of the health of the environment. Mm-hmm. So when frogs start disappearing, we know that something's going wrong. Mm. Well, how, why are they so susceptible to well, the, new changes? Yeah, if you think about it, frogs, they've got this beautiful, exquisite semi-permeable skin that allows moisture and pollutants and anything that's in the environment will affect them because it goes through their skin. Mm-hmm. So they're great indicators of pollution, atmospheric pollution, water pollution, everything like that. And uh, they'll the, be the first ones to disappear. Yeah. Um, well, in a way, also, you said they're susceptible to pollution, but they also clean up our pollution, don't they? Which is another really important part of the cycle of... Well, it depends what you call pollution. Well, I mean, the algal blooms caused by runoff. That's right. I mean, you know, th- so the tadpoles, um, they would be eating algae mainly, and when you, when you see the populations decline, then those are the sorts of things that happen. So they do do that to a certain degree, mm-hmm. um, but the most important role they play in our ecosystem is that they eat bugs. Yeah. So, you know, mosquitoes, sandflies, those sorts of things, frogs love to eat them. So if, you, if the frogs go, then we're going to be plagued even worse than we are now. So in, places, in countries around the world that uh, have issues with um, waterborne diseases that are carried by mosquitoes, um, uh, stuff like uh, Russell virus, yellow river virus, malaria and stuff like that, they'll be really heavily affected by the clown and frogs. Yeah, they, they will, and, and we've actually, and that, you know, as being a frog advocate, I always tell people this, and they say, well, how do you know? Is it really going to make a difference? And we've got a great case study in Bangladesh that they collected all their frogs and exported them across to America for frogs' legs, and then all of a sudden they got a huge increase in insect-borne diseases, agricultural pests, and they had to spend all their money that they got from the frogs' legs on pesticides <laughs> to spray on their crops. <laughs> Um, well, then in, in places like Bangladesh, then, um, you know, are there successful breeding programs for frogs? You know, uh, from a conservation point of view, there are. We've got about probably about 200 around the world that are breeding some of the last remaining survivors of a species. Mm-hmm. But as regards with frog farming, where people are farming them for human consumption, there's a couple of cases where the American bullfrog has been moved around the world and been farmed for human consumption. But most cases, they actually go out and they just catch wild frogs. So yeah. again, decimating local frog populations. How is it that frogs do so poorly, but you've got um, toads in Australia just booming? Yeah, I think it's any class of animals that you look at. You you end up with the sort of the cockroaches of that class that whatever you throw at them, you just can't kill them. Yeah, and that's the cane toad in Australia. It's a it's an amazing survival. It's a brilliant <laughs> invasive species, and it's a beautiful looking animal. You yeah, know? <laughs> <laughs> you're the only one that likes yeah. it, surely. <laughs> well, no, there's there's more than one. Yeah, but you know they didn't ask to go to Australia, and it was no. a really bad decision that humans made. Yeah, so it's really our stuff up. Yeah, we've got our rabbits. They've got their bullfrogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what's the, tell us a little bit about your background. You're um, you're in charge of the is it the APA? ASA. 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 That's right. So the ASA is the Amphibian Survival Alliance, which is a big international organisation. We've got over a hundred partners, like Zoological Society of London and mm-hmm. lots of zoos, um, and we're trying to lead the global. Um, sort of action of 
saving frog populations around the globe because it's not just in New Zealand that we're worried about but there's many other species of frogs around the world that that need help because they're just gonna they fall off everyone's radar you know yeah. nobody really cares about frogs if you're killing a really pretty endangered bird people get very upset yeah um, so we're actually cheating a little bit and then we where we find areas where the frogs are disappearing we then go and find a really pretty bird that's going to disappear <laughs> as well and then we tell everyone oh you know this beautiful crested uh, quasitel is going to go extinct yeah, and yeah. everyone gets up and says, oh and there's a couple of frog species that might also go extinct too well one of those birds do the birds eat the frogs maybe that's the reason why they did go extinct yeah well I mean we have that problem in Stevens Island in New Zealand where the tuatara actually eat a really endangered frog okay. so we've had to put up a fence to keep the tuatara out for you know at the <laughs> risk of of, of of you know making the tuatara more endangered oh that's that's quite funny but like there's something like two thousand frog species are threatened at yeah the moment, is that right and yeah. that's a, a third of all frog species in that's the world. right which is a huge amount you know if there were two thousand bird species that were as threatened as that people would be up in arms but mm -hmm. just because it's a funny little green frog people don't seem to care but they probably play a more important role in the ecosystem than birds do yeah, you sound a little bit jealous of the birds yeah i have a little <laughs> bit of bird envy I mean, everyone loves fluffy and furry things and and when you talk about a cold slimy warty amphibian mm. people you know people don't want to put their money into conserving them that's funny because we all loved frogs as kids we loved to go yeah. and catch them and yeah. take them home and breed tadpoles it was a thing yeah. you love to do and i think maybe that's the problem that people think they grow out of it but you know i tell the students that uh, who you know i ask them to put up their hand who's who's got tadpoles at home and mm -hmm. and there may be one or two in a class of a thousand or so yeah and you know and i said well i still have tadpoles at home <laughs> I, you know i still love keeping my tadpoles and and maybe we feel we grow out of it so we get involved in more important conservation issues but there's nothing more important than frogs yeah sounds like it uh, and so so what are you planning on uh, talking about tomorrow well, with a professorial lecture like this, I, I'm giving a bit of my background, so I'm going to be telling people how I got involved in cell biology, mm -hmm. um, because, of course, at the moment I'm teaching cell and molecular biology to first-year students. So telling them sort of some of my cell and molecular biology past, and then how I sort of evolved into a frog behavioral ecologist, where I studied their behavior mm -hmm. and their vocalizations, and then I moved on to look at conservation. When frogs started disappearing, then I put all my efforts, my research, and my sort of public awareness and my um, service part of my job, I put that all into trying to save amphibians locally and nationally and around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting you just said something about vocalisation of the frogs because you came to New Zealand because of uh, earless frogs. That's right. Yeah, so I mean I studied for about 15 years how frogs talk to each other through making their calls and that got me onto thinking well how do frogs do it when they don't talk to each other mm. because they still have important questions to ask like are you my brother are you my sister because they don't want to mate with the brother and sister they want to find out how you can find out who's male who's female and other frogs do all that through vocalization mm -hmm. so I came here thinking well how do New Zealand frogs do it because they don't make any calls and they actually don't they've lost half of their ear so they only have an inner ear we have an external middle and an inner ear they yeah. only have an inner ear so they've lost a lot of their hearing capabilities and I came to look to see how they do it uh, why is is that a through evolutionary process maybe putting the energy into other parts like the eyes or something well certainly they've got really big eyes they've got a really good um, nasal um, system mm -hmm. so what we've been researching on over the last few years is looking at how they communicate visually by waving to each other and also using chemicals in the environment so they're probably 
putting their own chemicals down and and talking to each other through scents. Mm -hmm. Well, how um, how are we going to save them? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The, 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 that question might just cost you four hundred and sixty million dollars, yeah. which is how much it's going to cost to save most of the species. Yeah. Um, and we put out a plan not so long ago about how much is it going to cost to save all the frogs in the world, and it was about four hundred and sixty million dollars, U.S. dollars, mm -hmm. um, which isn't a lot of money, you know. That's uh, what I was thinking. Yeah. You know, and and you often think, oh, you know, that's a ridiculous amount of money, but you know, our stadium cost two hundred million dollars. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton City were in debt for two hundred million dollars. So, you know, and that's just little New Zealand. So around the globe to find four hundred and sixty million dollars isn't shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah. Um, and we've already got we've um, just gone over the two million dollar mark. So we found two of those four hundred and sixty million. But it's a start, you know. Yeah. And, and we're buying up areas of land. We're encouraging people to do research on on driving forces or what what what's causing the amphibians to disappear mm -hmm. and. Uh, making people more aware about amphibians so perhaps because a lot of money goes into fighting um, waterborne diseases and, and, and diseases um, so why not use some of that money to cut it off at the beginning absolutely you know I mean I wish more politicians had your way of thinking <laughs> <laughs> um, but they don't you know no. they, they're, they're the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff rather than stopping people from going over the edge well you know spending the, the problem is spending that kind of money or doing things like this can sometimes be seen as uh, unpopular politics um, and they're more worried yeah. about re-election than they are about um, you know, right. doing the right thing and yeah. we've seen that time and time and time yeah. again well if you want to go down that path we're <laughs> here for yeah. quite some time absolutely <laughs> so the talks tomorrow um, at the Archway Fawlitcher Theatre Union Street East uh, from 5.30 to 6.30 um, and you know uh, that's very important yeah, so. I mean, you know, and, and I think every time I give a lecture, I always give a frog fact in the lecture. Mm -hmm. So I think there'll be many students around that'll probably won't know much about what else I taught them, but they'll probably remember the frog facts. Yeah. So if they want to hear what's been driving me to produce these frog facts, then they should come along to the talk. Can you give us a frog fact now? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite frog facts that I will talk about in a bit more detail tomorrow is this um, chemical produced by a really cool frog. It's called Epi Epipedobates, mm -hmm. and it's bright red with white stripes down the side. And on its skin, it produces this toxin just to stop other animals from eating it. Yeah. But they've discovered that it's 200 times more powerful than morphine as a painkiller, and it's not addictive at all. Ooh. So, you know, but the problem is that frog's endangered. Yeah. So, you know, we've got to try and work out how to synthesize it. We can't uh, sort of harvest those frogs and then use those drugs. So we've got to do a lot of biochemistry to synthesize that drug. And then you've got a, a much better drug than morphine for painkillers. That sounds brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah though, of course, they secrete a lot of uh, different things and uh, people use it for all manner of... They, they <laughs> certainly do. They certainly do. And some... Some not so good and some really good. You know, even with HIV, that's a, a really... They've found chemicals on frog mm. skin that can work against HIV. They use frogs for a lot of medicines, don't they? Yeah. Um, and, of course, I guess it's bad for tribes in, in the jungles, like if uh, their frogs disappearing because they use them to hunt. Yeah, exactly, mm. you know, for the poison arrow frogs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, well, thank you so much for joining me. Well, that's great. Well, it was nice chatting to you, Yeah, Jamie. yeah, yeah. And um, good luck with the lecture tomorrow. Once again, it's happening from 5.30 to 6.30 at uh, Archway 4 Lecture Theatre Union Street. Street East, Dunedin, and you have yourself a wonderful day, Phil. Great, thanks very much, Jamie. Right out.